Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Okay, so we're going to uh, get right in. We are opening a brand new series this morning, which I am really excited about. Um, you can see there it's called The Big Ask. Uh, Fru said it looks a little bit intimidating, that logo, uh, with the words, the big ask. We're all getting a bit worried now, but don't worry. Uh, it'll all, all will be explained. So we're in this series. It's going to take us up to Easter Sunday. Uh, and on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a really great celebration here at the Barrington. Also, we're going to have a celebration on, East, on Easter Friday, Good Friday as well, here at the Barrington on Good Friday morning, uh, which, again, you'll all be welcome to. I think sometimes people approach Good Friday a little bit morose, don't they? A little bit sad. And, and in fact, I, was, um, I looked online. I don't know why I looked online. I know what Good Friday is. But I, I wanted to see what people thought Good Friday was about. And I read this definition. Good Friday is a day of mourning and sorrow over the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and a reminder that the sins of all people made it necessary for him to die in the first place. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And I get that. I get that he had to die for us. I'm not sure I completely agree with the whole morning but yes we remember but I think it's a day of celebration don't you am I just the only one all right Uh, anyway in Colossians it says this when you were dead in your sins this is Paul writing he says when you were dead in your sins God made you alive with Christ he forgave us all our sins having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Woo-hoo! And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? For a good Friday, there is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? Yes, it really does. And what was the song that we sing at Easter? Oh, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus... Wash my sins away. That sounds like good news. What day was it? That was on Good Friday. That was the day that our sins were washed away. That sounds like something to celebrate. And I was thinking about, you know, what it would be like if I said to my kids, okay, it's your birthday. We're not going to celebrate it in the normal way. We're not going to be happy. Okay? This was a difficult day, the day you were born. Your mother had to go through 24 hours of of labor And it was really hard. It made her eyes water. And I fainted, which is true, I did. I fainted. I did for two of our kids, I fainted. I was useless. Um, It was a difficult day, the day you were born. And that's what we're going to remember. Every year on your birthday, it's going to become a day of mourning. Okay, that's not what we do, do we? We don't do that. No, we go, okay, we, yes, yes, we know there was pain to get there. All those months of pregnancy, sleepless nights, eating strange foods. Uh, But joy comes in the morning. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We're in the time of joy. And I think we should really appreciate that. So we're going to, I don't know why I'm going off on one here. We're going to come on Good Friday. And yes, we're going to remember what Jesus did. And we're going to enjoy it. Anyway, so join us for Good Friday. Feel free to invite people. And then on Easter Sunday as well, invite people. Bring them along. It's a great service to invite people to. People are a little bit more open on Easter Sunday to come and uh, see what church, what's happening at church. So um, Easter Sunday, we're going to have a great time. So this new series is called The Big Ask. And I'm excited. I think it's a series that God has laid on our hearts to bring. Uh, so I think he's got a plan. I love it when God gives us ideas because it means he's doing something. 
And he's laid this on our hearts to bring. And it's a series about getting serious um, in our own world about reaching people with the good news about Jesus. Because do you know, Jesus is good news. We've just been talking about what he did. Jesus is good news. And, and this series is about reaching the people in our world with that good news. Now many of us know that Jesus, he came and he uh, lived on this earth. He came down from heaven. He was born uh, to a virgin and he lived and he ministered for three years uh, on this earth. And at the end of that three years, we know that he, he died. He then rose again. And then uh, a little bit later, 40 days later, he ascended back into heaven. But just before he went back to heaven, he said something to the disciples. He gave them an instruction. And this has been the central purpose for every Christ follower for the last 2,000 years. I heard a lecture once where the question was asked, why, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we decide to, to, to follow Jesus, why does God not take us to heaven at that point? Yeah, you, you've, you've confessed with your mouth, you believe in your heart um, uh, that, uh, in Jesus, and, and so, yeah, you've done it, so now I can take you to be with me in heaven. It doesn't happen like that, does it? And we know why. It's because we've got a mission. It's because he's got something for us to do here on earth. And we know that's our eternal destination, but we've got something to do first. Now, what was it Jesus told us to do? I bet most of us uh, could recite it if we wanted to. Uh, right at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, he says this. He says, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. That's what, it, that's what Jesus said right before he ascended into, into heaven. That's what we find at the end of the book of Matthew. At the end of the, uh, the gospel of Luke, he says something slightly different. He says, I am going to send you what my father has promised. So stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So what, Luke, what Jesus is telling him today, he's saying, he's saying, yes, you've got this mission to do, but I'm going to send you someone who's going to help you do it. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to enable you to do the mission that I've given you. And at the end of the Gospel of Mark, it says something slightly different. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So we don't do it without the Lord. We don't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He doesn't do it without us. That's why we call it a co-mission. We work with God, we work with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission that he gave us. So for all Christ followers, this is our ultimate purpose, to go, to reach people, to tell people good news about Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit in us, to reach people. Does anybody disagree with that? Fantastic. I'm so relieved. That's really good. All right, so uh, we all agree that this is our primary purpose. Now I know that some of us some of you find this easy to do, to go out and talk to people. About any, actually, yeah, if, who finds this an easy thing to do? Yeah, you know what? There were, actually, you were the people I thought would put up your hands because I know you guys. And I think that's fantastic. You guys have the gift of evangelism and I love that. The rest of us, we find it quite hard, don't we? Yeah. I find it hard. I know most of us find it difficult to do. Um, but the truth is, even if it's not our gift, 
it's still our mission. We all just agreed that that was our mission to do. And so what I want us to do in this series is to help us, is to give us some practical tools to help us reach those people who are close to us and maybe even those people who are strangers to us as well. So if, if you, like me, find that word evangelism a little bit daunting, then I know you're going to love this series, The Big Ask. So our key verse for this series is found in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, and it says this, it's Paul writing to them says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So what these verses do, these uh, two, two verses, uh, Paul writing the letter to the Colossian church, they answer the question, how all of us believers are supposed to relate to the unbelievers that we come across in our life, those people who don't know Jesus, who we come into contact with. Paul has in view accomplishing as much uh, spiritual good as we can in these relationships. He says, be wise, have wisdom, be wise. Notice he doesn't say, be weird. He doesn't say, be weird. And I know... We've all seen that. Maybe we've even been that. I've been that sometimes when you talk to outsiders, you're not quite sure what to say and stuff come out of your mouth. And you go, oh gosh, that just sounds like I'm a nutcase. They must think I'm a real nut job. Okay, we all sound a little bit weird. But he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. He also says, make the most of every opportunity. And I love this. I love this idea that life is a series of Uh, never-to-be-repeated opportunities for giving spiritual blessings to people. It's a thrilling way to look at it, thrilling way to look at our approach to those around us. So actually, every moment, every conversation, every interaction is an opportunity, is an opportunity in some way that actually we're never going to get that particular opportunity again. Now, sometimes these opportunities come through Uh, careful planning and and, and intentional direction. But often they come as we allow ourselves to take a detour from our plans. Those of you who do evangelism know this is the case. Often we have to be willing to take a detour from the thing that we were going to do, the plan, the the careful idea, you know, the, the way we were going, and we have to take a detour in order for God's purposes to be accomplished in, in the things that we act and the things that we say. Um, Bill Hybels uh, is a pastor in America. Uh, he was, um, I'm not really going to focus on uh, the last couple of years, but a, a long time ago, he wrote an amazing book called Walk Across the Room. Some of you may have read it. Now, this book, um, he, he encourages us to be open to leaving our, our zone of comfort, to walk across the room and start a conversation with somebody, letting the Holy Spirit direct us and letting the Holy Spirit disrupt our plans. Now, a, pl- a friend of ours uh, who lives in London, a couple of weeks ago, they left home to go and do mission work in, in Tanzania. Uh, and it's brilliant. And then they're sending us um, kind of emails and, and texts, letting us know how they're getting on. And, it, and it's fantastic. I love that. One of the things that Jesus said, we find at the beginning of Acts, he says, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there's a place of that. And this, this kind of idea that the circle is ever widening. But I want us to think in terms of a widening circle. Uh, but for this particular series, we're talking about those 
around us. So the first stage, the first uh, inner circle, if you like, is, is our friends and our colleagues, the people who we interact with kind of daily. Uh, maybe our family, sorry, our family and colleagues, the people who we live with. And then the next circle is those friends who maybe we don't see all the time, but maybe we see uh, kind of once a week or something, and that's kind of the next circle. And then, of course, the wider circle would be complete strangers, people who come into our, into our world just for a brief time or for, you know, the, the Tesco delivery guy, you know, and he's, he's there. And actually, we want to be wise in the way we act towards all of these people. And maybe we want to develop, um, uh, develop ideas, develop uh, strategies for, for reaching these people. For I'm going to say the word evangelism, but really it's about developing friendships. Yeah. And so uh, over the next uh, uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at developing friendships uh, and then discovering stories and then discerning next steps. Today we're just going to focus on developing uh, friendships, which I think is probably a key thing. In, in fulfilling this mission uh, that Jesus gave us. Uh, developing, cultivating friendships outside of our church family in order that we can make the most of every opportunity. Now, I found some st- statistics uh, provided by a group called the Lifeway Research Group. And interestingly, it says that 67% of people, when they were asked, said a personal invitation to church from a family member would be somewhat effective in getting them to church. Oh, that's quite good. 67, that's like two-thirds of people. And then in, in the same study, 63% that a personal invitation to church from a, a neighbor or a friend would be somewhat effective in getting them to church. Maybe we didn't know that. Maybe we, didn't, we, we weren't sure. Actually, there's, you know, we can invite people to church. And there's you know, a, a chance, a good chance. Actually, they might be interested and particularly if you catch them at the right moment, when the Holy Spirit's doing something in you and in them. In another survey, 50,000 people were, uh, were uh, uh, surveyed over 10 years. Um, and uh, they were asked why they started to attend church. And 70, between 75 and 90, 90% of people said they began to attend because someone invited them. by advertisement, 6% by pastoral invitation, 6% by organized uh, campaign, and 86% an invitation from a friend or a relative. That is huge. That is huge. Most people end up coming to church and hopefully finding Jesus through an invitation. This This is the mission we've been given. And then the final statistics on the same survey. About 2% of church people invited an unchurched person. And that was in the year 2003, 2%. Now, you may think this is a, a bad statistic. This excites me. 2% of people uh, invited to it. We can, we can do something about that, can't we? We can actually change this. We can increase that. This is a really, really good thing. I'm stoked about this because I think it's easy for us to find a solution to this. We can make a huge difference we can double that. We can triple that. We can times that number by 10. We can times that number by 20 or more. Yes. Times it by 50. Times it by 50. 100%. Love it. Love it. So the trend in this area of inviting people is, it goes something like this. The longer you have been a Christ follower, the less likely you are to have a conversation with someone. 
the longer you've been following Jesus, the less likely you are uh, to uh, engage in these kind of discussions. The less likely you are to talk about your faith to non-Christ followers. The less likely you are to invite someone to church. Now, there are a whole host of reasons for this. Some of those reasons will be completely valid, I'm sure. But I don't want to be like this myself. And I don't think we want to be like this. I don't want Sunny Hill Ferndown to be like this. I want to change this. I want to do something about this. Are you with me? That's great. So if we can decide that reaching people, being witnesses for the good news about Jesus, is our primary objective, then I think it's crazy that the further along the journey we go, we achieve less. So we're not going to do it. And I've got to admit, I'm not talking to you from a place of doing well in this area. And that's why I'm excited about this, because um, Fru is brilliant. She's amazing. Fru is my wife, for those of you who don't know. She's so good at this, and I'm so bad at this. Um, she will intentionally put herself in places where she talks to people. Every time she walks out the house, she grabs a handful of leaflets, just in case. She's always ready to do this. I'm not saying she finds it easy, because she doesn't. She finds it hard, or she's found it hard, and it's getting easier the more she does it. But she is so good at opening up conversations with people at the school gate, with the Tesco guy, with the shop when she's shopping. She'll just do it. <laughs> Even this week, she was, <laughs> sorry, she was going to her um, speed awareness course. I thought I'd just drop that in there. Who's had to do a speed awareness course? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she was caught going 110 miles an hour in a 30 miles an hour zone. <laughs> yeah, she'll try and justify it. All right, so she had to go and do a speed awareness course. And on the way out the door, she said, oh, I'm just going to take some leaflets because I'm just going to let this be an opportunity to talk to someone. And, you know, having that kind of perspective, that's the perspective I, wanna, I want us all to have. And I think you actually did end up giving a leaflet to someone. And what she does is she goes, Holy Spirit, show me who is a person of peace. Okay, it tells us that there are people of peace who are receptive. And asking the Holy Spirit to guide me to the right people to give this leaflet to, to invite them, to, to start, to open up a conversation. We can all do that. Not easy. We can all, I want to do that. So I'm, I'm challenging myself in this and I'm challenging you as well. I think God is shifting this congregation. That's why he's brought this particular series to us right now, to move from a, a non-sharing lifestyle uh, to a lifestyle where we, we go on this adventure. We go on this adventure where we go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just increase those conversations. The further I get down the road, I'm going to be doing this commission with God, with the Holy Spirit, as much as I can. Now, there's a tension, and I guess you know all about this tension too, uh, you feel it just like I do. The tension between knowing on the one hand that this is my primary mission and then on the other hand thinking, I'm really not very good at it. I just feel like I come across weird. And does anyone feel that tension too? Yeah, great. And I think it's a bit like what, uh, what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. And the thing that I don't want to do that I keep doing. Oh, what a wretched man I am. And that's how I feel. You know, I, feel, I know what I should do, but that's not what I keep doing. And then he goes on to say, there is no, no condemnation. And that's great. 
so we're going to make different decisions. And I know from my own experience how I resolve this particular tension. I, say, I make kind of a silent deal with God. I say, God, I'll serve you in other ways. I'll come every Sunday. I'll lead worship for you, God. I'll preach. I'll prepare a preach. I'll serve tea and coffee. I'll clean the toilets. I'll put chairs out. But you really don't want me doing this, this mission thing, this co-mission thing. You don't want me doing that. Actually, he does. And I know he does. And so I'm not going to make that, I'm not going to make that deal anymore. That's not, that's not who he wants me to be. I don't want to be that, use me, Lord, use me, but not like that. Use me in any way, but not that way, God. I'm going to be a God, yeah, God, I'm ready, ready for you. Paul writing to Timothy, um, who was a leader in a church, and he says this, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. You notice he doesn't say, be evangelist, be an evangelist, because if that's not your gift, that's not what we're called to be, but we are called to do it, even if it's not our gift. Do the work of an evangelist. It's the Great Commission. It's our mission and it's essential. So how am I going to change in this area? How am I going to make the most of every opportunity? Well, I'm going to start developing friendships. I'm going to clothe myself, as the Bible tells us to do, with compassion. I'm going to clothe myself with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. And I'm going to put on love over everything. Because I think the most loving thing I can do is introduce someone to the good news of Jesus. Isn't it? That's what I'm going to do. So, three ways. Uh, three, three, way, three things I can do uh, practically uh, to help me in this way. The first thing, I'm going to be willing to let the Holy Spirit disrupt my plans to get a hold of my agenda and say no 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 not today this is where I want you to go right now and I'm gonna and I'm gonna make that my daily prayer when I get up in the morning Holy Spirit guide me at the end of the gospel of Luke we've just read that Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come why did he do that it's because one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help us fulfill this mission that he gave us to do he's going to direct us to those people of peace, that person of peace. He's going to direct us um, uh, to the people who are receptive to the message that we're carrying. He's going to direct us to the people that he's been working on already. He's been doing a work in their hearts already. We just have to learn to recognize his voice and then obey his voice. The Holy Spirit's job is also to give us the courage to step out and increase our faith. And then he will give us the words to say as well. In Ephesians, uh, Paul writing to Ephesians says, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And in Galatians, Galatians 5, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. This is what we need to do. Did you ever have sports day at school? Yeah? I know it's a bit different now. They don't like people to win and lose. Um, but at our sports day, people won and people lost. And I, I'm not particularly sporty. Uh, but there was one race that I would always win. And this was the three-legged race. Do you remember the three-legged race? Yeah, we would tie. Uh, for you kids, you may not have done this. You tie your legs with somebody else, and then you have to run together with your legs tied. And people would be falling out all over the place. Well, me and my mate, Michael Muckabadthai. Remember Michael Muckabadthai? Yeah? Uh, that's a real name. That was his name. And uh, I learned to pronounce it early on. He was my mate at school. We were geniuses at the three-legged race. 
Uh, we could do this for England. Um, uh, see, what we did, he was a musician, I was a musician, and we'd be at the starting line, and we'd be one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, counting, getting into a rhythm, even before the gun went. And then when they said go, we were, we were off, and you can run fast if you're together, but what you have to do is work together. You can't go separately because you end up just falling on the floor because you're tied together. And we flew. We flew. Now I like this thought of a three-legged race with the Holy Spirit. In order to do well, we have to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We have to be working as one. Um, Does anybody dance here? Like couples dancing? Yeah, great. That's brilliant. Well, uh, Erica and Baz? <laughs> Erica and Pat, Baz and Pat, and then Erica does it well. Well, Fru and I, I don't dance, but when we had our wedding, we learned, we got somebody to teach us how to do the jive. And, and what's important when you do couples dancing is one person has to lead and one person has to follow. If you both try and lead, Fru ends up with sore feet because I've been stamping on them, all right? So one person leads, one person follows. And what does it say? Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We let the Holy Spirit lead. Our journey will be that much easier. And those, and those uh, conversations will end up being that much easier. We need to be in the rhythm of the Holy Spirit and not in the rhythm of the fresh. F- flesh. Fresh? Flesh. Um, uh, um, so how do we keep in step with the Spirit? I'm pretty sure it's simply a discipline issue. If we're going to be disciples, it's about... Um, getting into the habit of listening, asking him, talking to the Holy Spirit, making, making that a daily conversation. Holy Spirit, guide me today. Lead me into a conversation with someone. Give me the words to say. Give me courage to step out in faith. Let me see the opportunities that you're putting before me. Making that our daily prayer and then seeing the opportunities that are open up. I think we want to be walking and living by the Holy Spirit. One more quick story about this. Uh, this week, uh, again, I'm, I'm bringing my wife into this a lot today, but she went on to Groupon and she bought 12 car air fresheners. 12 air fresheners for a car. Okay, which seemed like, I was like, okay, that's a bit odd. You've never bought air fresheners before. We, never, we don't really have air fresheners in the car before, but she decided she wanted air fresheners. So she bought 12 of them, little uh, nice ones, Yankee Candle air fresheners. And they were quite overpowering in the car. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a little bit strange, but let's, let's, let's have it in the car. Yesterday, we were on a long journey back to going to London to um, my mother-in-law's birthday party. And near the beginning of the journey, Eliza was sick. Everywhere. Like, I'm talking full on as that two-year-old baby, just full on. And the car stunk. You know where I'm going with this. How grateful was I for those air fresheners? I think it got, now, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit guiding through in that, but who knows, it might have been. It seems that when the Holy Spirit guides you, you seem to have a lot more coincidences than other people. Don't you? Yeah, great, you all agree with me on that. So in Acts 16, Paul, it tells us, Luke is writing about Paul. He says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit closed the door and he opened the door. And this is not, this is not going, wow, look what the Holy Spirit did. This is just normal, everyday walking. This is what happens. The Holy Spirit opens doors. He closes doors. We just have to uh, walk in line with what the Holy Spirit and make it our daily habit. So that's the first thing. Let the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to disrupt our plans. The second idea I think we need to do uh, in this is to see the potential in everyone. Well, if you think about back to our key verse uh, in Colossians where it says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let your conversations be filled with grace and seasoned with salt. We just have to look at the way that Jesus looked at people as opposed to the way that the religious leaders saw people. Jesus had a different eye, didn't he? He saw the potential. He saw what they could be. So when he looked at the, um, he looked at the weary uh, prostitute and he saw a worshipper. He looked at the gruff, uneducated fisherman and he saw an amazing, faithful disciple who would go out and change the whole world with a message. He looked at a um, tax collector, a crooked, greedy tax collector, and he saw a generous philanthropist who would break the boundaries of generosity. He looked at a thief on a cross, and he saw a saved, righteous child of God. He saw people differently. And I want to open my eyes in the same way. I don't want to look at people and see who they are right now. I want to say, okay, Who would you be if Jesus transformed you? Who would you be if Jesus transformed your life? I know the journey that I've been on. It makes a difference. So we want to to let our conversations be filled with grace. And we want to season our conversations uh, with salt as well. We want to make God tasty in the way that we talk. We want to make him tasty. So that when we talk to people about church, about our lives, about God, does, does God come out looking good? Or do we sometimes moan about our struggles? Does our life look and sound like it's a bit of a disaster? Or does it look like actually we've got the hope of the world? We've got something special to offer. Hold off on those weird God stories. Hold off. Make God look tasty in the way that we present him, in the way we talk about him, in the way we live. Me talking about the Holy Spirit guiding through to buy air fresheners. That's a weird story. To an unbeliever, to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, that's not going to go anywhere. They're just going to look at me and think I'm a lunatic. I can share with, with other believers and go, yeah, who know what those coincidences are like. Yeah, so hold off on the weird stories. Be wise. Show God in, in, in the light that he deserves to be shown. Dom, last week, he told us we get to choose the atmosphere that we present. We get to choose the atmosphere we bring into our conversations. We get to decide, I am going to be that person who, when I walk into a room, oh, it's filled with light. People want to be around that. We get to choose that. Uh, seasoned with salt, conversations filled with grace, being wise. Seeing the potential in those who we come into contact with. And then finally, uh, what else do I want to do? I want to be bold. So I want to let the Holy Spirit disrupt my plans. 
I want to see the potential in those I come into contact with. And then I want to be bold. Or at least I want to be willing to be willing to be bold. Maybe that's my challenge today, is that you need to be willing to be willing to be bold. Yeah, maybe that's as far as he gets, and that's a great start. Because maybe you think, oh, you know, I find this so hard. But God, I'm willing to be open to this. I'm willing for you to do a work in me that will enable me to go and have those conversations. Be willing to be willing. I've realized that one of the main reasons that I I refrain from sharing my faith or inviting people I come into contact with to church is because I underestimate uh, the power of my testimony, the stories that I've got, who, who God has made me, what God has done in me. And many people, I think, are afraid to share their faith or invite people to church because they're not confident in what they have to say. However, we all, anybody who's been touched by Jesus, anybody who's filled with the Holy Spirit has a story to tell. Whether it's a story of coming from darkness to light, whether it's a story of what God has done in your life today or this week, or what God has done, God has done in your family, what, how God has healed you, we all have a story. And everyone's faith story is specific to their own life. And your friends already like you. They already know you. Those people who are in immediate circles you can tell those stories to them, those people. Those people you have conversations with at school gates or in, uh, in the checkout line at Tesco's. We can share those stories. We want to live out our faith and share those stories. I love what it says in Acts. Uh, when Peter and John, uh, Fru shared a couple of weeks ago about Peter and John and helping the lame man to walk um, and... And then it says that you know, they were put in prison and then they were released. And the religious leaders said this thing. They said, then they called them in again. This is the religious leaders talking to Peter and John and said, uh, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. A few verses later, we see Peter and John praying and they say, no, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And then two verses later, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God, God boldly. So there was opposition. They asked for boldness and that prayer was answered and they were able to speak with boldness. And maybe that's what we need to do. We need to pray for boldness. We need to say, God, I am willing to be willing to be bold. Help me. Give me the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit direct me and direct my words. Remember, it's not our job to save anyone. That takes the pressure off a little bit. It's not up to us. We're not going to save anybody. But we sow seeds. I love what, uh, the way Paul said it. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. It takes the pressure off. Okay, we just do what we're called to do. And it's an absolute privilege to be involved in the process of seeing someone come to faith in Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, about how we're going to um, uh, move on from developing friendships and you know, deciding how we're going to say, what we're going to say, what are the words we're going to use, how can we do this uh, practically. So, how about it? We're going to go on an adventure? Yeah? Great. I'm going to too. So my challenge to you this week is to go on this adventure. Be open to the Holy Spirit to direct you to disrupt you to let him and then be willing to be bold thank you
Amen.